Greetings, loved ones. It's time to get horny. What an epic drop that took <laughs> me 406 drop. shows to find. But that's what we're going to do, not just because they played TCU. And if you like the classic drop, we still have this. Oh, I'm horny. But because the Jayhawks won a road game against the team that beat them earlier in the year, they sit in the driver's seat in the Big 12 race. What a run this team is on, looking like potentially the best team in college basketball. And this is Inside the Paint. The last show was really long. This show won't be quite as long, but, you know, whenever we're talking about uh, being... Oh, I'm horny. You know, you never really know, I guess. I am Ryan Landry. I am the long boy, Landon Fields. Oh, I didn't think And I am Nick Whitebrook. So you guys got to admit, that was a pretty, pretty big one. I called it... And we're going to have debates, I'm sure. I said that was KU's biggest regular season win since the game three years ago when they went down to Baylor and beat number one uh, on the road behind Yudoka Azabuke's Superman performance right before COVID hit. You guys don't necessarily agree with that, but at the very least, you got to admit that this is a really, really big win for the Jayhawks. Oh, it's definitely really big. The more I thought about it, the more I started to agree with you, though I do think the game on Saturday against Baylor was also up there with one of their bigger wins. I, think, I don't think I could say a 63-58 to 58 result is one of the best games in, in KU history there. Well, then you know that final score of that Baylor game was 64-61. to 61. Like, usually the big 12 biggest games are decided by a few points and are lower scoring because of all these defenses. See, the reason I think the TCU win is bigger than the Baylor win is because of they were on the road for it. The Baylor game, you're at home. I know that Baylor's good. I know that the crowd was good. But KU usually wins the home games, these 50-50 road games that are going to go a long way in deciding the conference race that they managed to pull out from their hat. I think that puts this one... that. There aren't any contenders in the COVID 2020-2021 season. There are a few last year, but remember, last year's team really didn't have any big regular season wins. They obviously got their clocks cleaned by Kentucky, and they lost on the road to the teams that finished 2, 3, 4, and 5 in the Big 12. So there really wasn't a marquee, oh, that's a big one, sort of road win for them. Now, I know TCU is not going to finish second or third in the Big 12 this year, but I think we all agree that healthy TCU is a very formidable opponent, one of the best 10 teams in college basketball, perhaps. So that's why I think this one is as good of any road win that they've had since that Baylor game, and I think that alone makes it the best regular season win they've had. Rant over. Let's blow the air horn. Let's talk about it because it was a fun Monday night, and this weekend, Jayhawks West Virginia coming West Virginia coming in to play the Jayhawks, and the next show, you guys are going to do all by yourselves. Are you excited? Nick, what do you think? Hmm. Same. <laughs> no Ryan on the next show, so enjoy all the Ryan that you get tonight because it'll be a week before I'm back. Hopefully, it won't be that long before the Jayhawks win again. Number three, Kansas 63. Number 24, TCU 58. Kind of as a Travis Kelsey tribute, but also fourth one seed, my ass. Or if you're a fan of the board, ass. Fourth one seed, my ass. There, you happy? How how stupid was that, first of all? And second, how stupid does it look now? Yeah, it looks a little bit worse, and Houston should absolutely not be the one seed in the Midwest. I think we covered that on the last show as well, but huge win for Kansas. I don't know if they are now. I don't know if they are now after this. Like, they were the... KU just keeps stacking quad one wins. 
one after the other after the other. Like, at some point, you can't deny it. The, the Kansas controls its own destiny for the number one overall seed. If they win the Big 12 and they win the Big 12 tournament, there is nothing any of the other teams in the whole country can do to take away the one overall from them. Agreed? I would certainly say so. So Kansas controlled this game throughout, even if they didn't have a big lead the whole time. They didn't trail at any point in the second half, though the most that they ever led by was just seven points. So it was basically a two-possession game or a one-possession game for almost the entirety of the last 20 minutes. But despite scoring just three points in the final four minutes and 45 seconds, it was the defense of Kansas holding TCU to just one basket in the final seven minutes, allowing them to escape with a narrow road win. Nick, you said that 63-58 to 58 road victories, while ugly, can't be one of the biggest wins that the program's had recently. Tell me why this, play the devil's advocate, tell me why this win was so big for the Jayhawks. They scored three points in the final four minutes and 45 seconds. I don't, I wouldn't call that an absolute, uh, you, I mean, defensively, if, if you're, if you're going to look at it in a defense, defense perspective, yes, this is probably one of the greatest performances KU has played in recent history, maybe even under Bill Self, um, to lock down a, a TCU team who, uh, went in down Fieldhouse and beat them by 23. Um, so quite the improvement game over game. Uh, I would, I just wouldn't look at this game and the result and it looked like another big 12 grind out win for me. It didn't look like the most impressive thing ever. Um, but obviously with the implications involved, KU winning that game to stay at pace with Texas and uh, avenging that loss at home, I think there's a lot of storylines to it. But at the same time, I don't think it's it's the best one in, in, uh, that we're considering. Landon, you said that I'm starting to win you over with that argument. I'm not here to ask you to tell me if that was the best win they've had in the last three years, but I do want your thoughts on the game. What were your instant reaction thoughts from that win? Yeah, I, I, think, I think you see it in the players' reaction, which... Um, was really interesting because they they went and got the the game ball which which TCU had taken from from their win in Allen and I mean rightfully so from TCU's perspective as well you clean Kansas like that in Allen yeah take the dang ball um, but yeah I I do think upon thinking about it this really was kind of that win that I talked about and why I picked Kansas to win last show was that Kansas always has one of these kinds of wins where Big 12's on the line. If you lose this game, you know, it leaves the door wide open for someone else, and Kansas usually takes it, and they did, and that, was, that is this win this season. Now, of course, we could be marching toward a date in Austin um, in, in not too long, so that may also have a chance to be their biggest win in, in quite a long time, depending on where the standings sit at that point, but... Yeah, I do think this is a really, really big win. Yeah, last year, you're right, they didn't they didn't quite have this momentous game in the regular season. Uh, and then 2021, they did beat Baylor uh, in Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah, that was, was a big one. Which was awesome. That was a really big one. Um, but that team was not in the conference, or they didn't win the conference, of course. And uh, that was that team, you know, you know my feelings about that team. So who cares? Uh, but that was a fun win. That was a genuinely fun win. So, But I think this is up there. I, I do. I think this is their biggest win in a couple years. Yeah, the no, and the number twenty four in front of TCU and their seven and eight Big Twelve record do the not poor, do them justice. The poor I, three seed that's going to get them. Yes, exactly. They are with that. We all saw what healthy TCU can do in the game at Allen Fieldhouse. They haven't had their whole team, and and honestly, I don't know if people are pointing fingers at Jamie Dixon as much as they should because TCU, even without Miles for four games, they should be better than seven and eight. We've seen just how good that team can be. Uh, and but avenging a, a, a big upset home home loss and going on the road and big Monday and a 
great atmosphere and and stealing one on the road. I mean, KU was an underdog in this game, and I know a lot of people liked the Jayhawks straight up on the money line because Bill Self with plus money to win a regular season game. I'm pretty much always going to take those odds because he wins 80% of his games. But yeah, I, I thought it was a great win for them. And it was also, as kind of you were talking about, it was a petty win with them taking the ball and Grady Dick wearing the shirt from the student section, drawing a W on it. TCU calling themselves Funky Town and KU mocking that a couple of times. Uh, a petty, petty atmosphere uh, turned into a petty road win for Kansas, who's now 23-5. and The three-game losing streak feels like distant memories because ever since that game i believe kansas is what they've won five in a row and they won two so they're seven and one in the eight games since that losing streak that is a faint faint memory uh something we need to talk about before we get into the ins and outs of the game i feel like is one bill self is really good the fact that he never gets swept the fact that he's able to to go on the road and and steal games like this and also the fact that this team is this good Nick, I want to throw it to you because you, I think you more than either one of us were attached to last year's team from the start. You loved last year's makeup. Moving on and getting a team that's very different had to be difficult because you were the most pessimistic on this roster at the beginning of the year. They're 23-5. and five. They have a strong argument to be the number one overall seed in the tournament. You have to just kind of look back and tip your cap at the job Bill Self does year in and year out with these teams that I don't know have any business being this good. Yeah, with the, with the roster turnover and particularly the freshmen, I think we're looking at this from this perspective now because the freshmen have shown up. Grady Dick's been great. Ernest Uda, a guy we didn't, you know, we were hopeful for, a five-star coming in. He's been great. Um, the emergence of KJ Adams has been significant. We were having questions at the beginning of the year what it would look like without David McCormick as the five. Uh, and KJ Adams has answered a lot of those questions. So I just think, like you said, t- tip of the cap to Bill Self for aligning this roster, finding its strengths, uh, playing to its strengths uh, strategically. Um, and I think that's helped a lot. But this team is, is, is developed a lot throughout this season. They started out great. Remember, they were 16-1, and one, and then they hit that three-game losing skid. And a lot of people are really ready to jump off as quickly as possible and, and sell their stock. But this team has turned around, rallied, won seven of the last eight. And uh, I think that this is one of Bill Self's best coaching jobs, if, if not his best coaching job, losing 70% of the roster from a national championship team and uh, being in the conversation to repeat as national champions. Yeah, and Landon, it's pretty funny because almost exactly a year ago, uh, ironically against TCU in the same building, Kansas lost there for their second straight loss, and we were blasting... Damn it, Bill! At the top of our lungs, we were boiling mad with how that team was underachieving. I think we all contemplated if it could have been his worst coaching job at that point in the season. And then obviously, they didn't lose again, and 23-5 and here, so that would make them, what, 34-5 and in their last 39 games, yeah. which spans, I don't know how many friggin' quad one wins are in there, a bunch of them uh he's just really really good at winning basketball games it's amazing isn't it yeah when you were you said you know one this and that two this and that and three is that we are a pack of fools um yeah which you yes. probably knew anyway <laughs> but uh is is more and more evident the last two years i think really have shown like we knew bill self was a really really good basketball coach before but the last two years it just becomes more and more evident this bill self is not only one of the best coaches of his era. Um, he is the best current coach, I think, by a wide margin. Yeah, I and don't know who's even close to him at this point. Yeah, I think he's entering himself in the conversation of best ever. Um, you know, if he gets another title in the next 
three years or something like that. I mean, he legitimately is in the conversation for one of the best ever. I don't know if anyone ever surpasses Wooden. Um, different era, I know, but you know, he's he's still kind of the standard in, in college basketball coaching and maybe just basketball coaching, period. But he enters into that conversation of maybe top ten of all time um, pretty soon, if he's not already there. And and I think we we probably, you know, haven't haven't uh, quite appreciated that enough. So Mike Shashevsky, who is considered by a lot to potentially be the greatest basketball coach ever, won fifteen or excuse me, thirteen ACC titles in forty two years. Bill Self has won 16, about to be 17, Big 12 titles in 19, about to be 20 years. Like, the man is, in my opinion, he's the best regular season coach ever. And I don't know who the heck else is even close at this point. His winning percentage, his dominance in a really good conference. They roll in the conference tournament. They win the conference tournament more than half the years he's there. From from opening night to selection Sunday, best coach ever, in my opinion. The tournament was always the kryptonite, right? He got the one title, but oh, did he get lucky? Mario hit that shot, and all the one seeds that didn't make the Final Four. Well, his last, what, three one seeds have made the Final Four? Two, two, yeah, it's two of them, 18 and 20, to our 18 and 22. He's He won the title in a rare club with two titles. Yeah, I'm with you. If he wins another one, I think he's a slam dunk top five coach of all time. And even if he doesn't get that third title, I think he's still one of the 10 best coaches in the history of the sport. John Wooden dominated, but that was in an era where 64 teams weren't playing in the tournament. Mike Krzyzewski is considered to be, I mean, he's got five rings, and Bill Self has already won more conference titles than Krzyzewski did and left less than half the years of being a coach. So it's just, it's super incredible. In a tougher but conference. The, the ACC has obviously seen better days in Coach K's career, but the Big 12 has been consistently psychotic. Oh, yeah. We're, I mean, Roy Williams was obviously outstanding here. He won the Big 12 four times in 15 seasons. As a That's as many times as he made the Final Four at Kansas. As consistently good of a coach ever. He's top five all-time in wins and won the conference once out of every three years. That's great. That would be incredible for any coach not named Bill Self. But Bill Self is just as likely to win a conference title year in and year out as Steph Curry is of making a free throw. He's, and whenever Bill Self really, is just as likely to win a Big 12 title as he is to lose a basketball game in a season. Yeah. Or, yeah, or in 80%. a home game in his career, I'll say. A home game in his career. Yep, he's won 80% of his games. He's won the conference 80% of the time. And uh, in case you haven't put those two numbers together, Nick, this is probably, and I'm proud of this, I'm going to give my myself props for researching this stat on just how damn good Bill Self is. Uh, it's really, 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 really hard to beat the man twice in one season. Yeah, out of 144 home and homes, Bill Self has played an exact conference play over his 20-year run. The Jayhawks have been swept exactly two times. That's 92 sweeps for Kansas, 47 splits, two sweeps of Kansas, plus three series left in the year. Uh, they're still to be determined. Landon, name both two, both of the uh, sweeps. Oh, man. Um, and years. One of them... Oh, one of them was Oklahoma State, wasn't it? Yeah, a yep. mediocre Oklahoma State team in 2018. That, yeah. to throw out an asterisk, I'm not going to... Bill Self's had a lot of things that, that could have gone wrong go right to only have two sweeps. But I will say that that Oklahoma State sweep happened after Kansas had already locked up the Big 12 and kind of had a eh attitude in the final game of the year. Yeah. Um, was the other one Iowa State? 
No, the other one made you take off your shirt and throw it. Oh, it was Texas. In a season that kind of doesn't count. Like, I'm glad Texas, the one year they wanted Allen Fieldhouse, the year there were no fans. It's true. But, yeah, they did. And they should have won that game, too. Yeah, so, and obviously the three remaining to be determined this year, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and Texas, none of those teams can sweep Kansas because Kansas could potentially sweep all of them. They've beaten all three of those teams already this year. You got to think they're getting at least a couple. Just just psychotic. Two out of every three home-and-homes he sweeps, and 98% of the other one-thirds he splits in this conference. Insanity. Just never, we, it took us a while longer than we should, I think, to really grasp the greatness that is Bill Self. Because you know what's going He's the best coach ever in college basketball. I'm Regular just season, say. I think. John Wooden. Hands down. John Wooden, I obviously probably has to get that. But, I mean, that was in a, an 11-year window with the best players. I mean, like, overall, if you look at overall coaching careers from start to finish, I think Bill Self's probably has the best progression. I think he's right there. I think he's got to win at least three. I, I, I kind of think it's like the Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady thing, where I don't think Mahomes has to win seven rings to be considered better than than Brady because there's a lot more to football than that. But the people that are already saying that he's had a better career than Brady, no, he hasn't. Not yet. He has to get close. He can't. He, it's, it's not close yet. Same thing with Bill Self. He has to get – I mean, he doesn't even have half of what Krzyzewski does. Uh, he's got to get a third. You win a third national title. I don't even know how many coaches have done it. Let me Google it. Coaches to win three NCAA tournaments. Okay, Mike Krzyzewski's won five. Roy Williams, John Wooden, yes. Uh, John Wooden won ten, even though the tournament was very different. Krzyzewski was four. That's stupid, though. Isn't it? Yeah, it was like ten in a 15-year window, too. So here's the list. Here's the full list of coaches that have won at least three national titles. John Wooden with ten. Mike Krzyzewski with five. Adolph Rupp with four, and Roy Williams, Jim Calhoun, and Bob Knight with three. So there's only six men that have ever done it three times. And then there's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine that have done it twice. So there's only been 15 men ever to win it twice. Only six have won it three times. Bill Self could join that group. Uh, I actually think this list was updated. It hasn't been updated to include Self. So Bill Self might be the 16th man to win two. Uh, but yeah, he needs to win a third. If he wins a third... I think he's legitimately has a goat case. Uh, okay, let's talk about this game, and we'll do so at a relatively quick pace. Uh, Landon, go ahead and lead off with, I wrote these notes from my vantage point, but I think he was Kansas's best player. I do not disagree, and that is Kevin McCuller. Finished second in the team in scoring with 15 points, 6 of 13 from the floor. He played 39 minutes on a bad ankle, had 7 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, 2 blocks, uh, the second of which coming as the knockout punch to force a jump ball in the final seconds. McCuller, who Bill Self referred to as a, quote, bad man after the game, was also the best defensive player on the floor in one of the better defensive performances in the post-Marcus Garrett era. How good was he, Nick? Uh, yeah, he, he has been super, super good. And I, we were talking very like early into this season, just kind of negatively, about him you know our, our perceptions of his ability to score um, but he's trumped that he hasn't done it as quietly as he was doing it he's been pretty loud about how well he's been playing yeah and the thing with McCuller is so we were harsh on him at the beginning of the season 
uh, because he did start slow. Around the time they got to Atlanta, he started playing a lot better. He was a really clutch player, had a great December, and then struggled in January, which I think is a coincidence that it, it stemmed kind of from right around that Texas Tech game where they were chanting F.U. Kevin at him the whole night and went into a slump for a few games, got hurt, but in the last couple of weeks... There hasn't been a better defensive player. Bill Self put him in the same sentence as Marcus Garrett, guys. You know how much Bill Self has to love a player to say, I haven't seen a guy, I didn't think I'd coach a guy with as high of a defensive IQ as Marcus, but I think I got one in, in Kevin McCuller. One thing we got right, Bill, Bill, a very Bill Selfie player is Kevin McCuller. There isn't another Bill Selfie player quite like this. And boy, has he found a home at KU. Landon, this is a guy who... We, we always thought if he could just give you just enough offense, the rest of it's going to fall into place. And here he is with a game with 15 points. By no means an explosion of points. It's under Jalen Wilson's average, but 15 points makes you the best player on the floor when you are the defensive player like Kevin McCuller is. Yeah, and I think that has definitely come to pass because his defense is maybe even better than advertised. Um, yep. He's been psychotic on that end of the floor. And yeah, he's been... His, his three-point shooting was a lot better at the beginning of the season than it is now, um, or at least feeling that way. Um, but yeah, he's still giving you just enough offensive production to stay dangerous on that end of the floor, playing solid offense, even if he's not shooting the ball particularly well. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, I mean, his defense is just, especially in this game, just on another level. Huge winning plays, a couple, just two of the most clutch defensive plays that I've seen um, including all of what Marcus Garrett was able to do. I mean, it was it was stupendous. Yeah, that stuff. jump ball, that jump ball play was the most uh, physically uh, just surprising moments of, of a game I've seen. Just his ability to get over the ball and and uh, get his hands on it and get the jump ball to be called. He's so instinctual. Kevin, He's so smart on defense. Yep. High basketball IQ. And Kevin McCuller took the ball and took the win, and Jamie Dixon took that timeout home. He didn't need to call it because look how beautiful TCU's last possession was. Um, also, the jump ball was complete. Oh, I had it muted. The jump ball call was Ass. there. It was complete and total. Ass. I'll, I'll, I'll go back and edit that. It was terrible. How is that a jump ball? He flat out grabbed it from him. Yeah, I thought the same thing, but. Luckily, you know, they had the possession. Bad right. That is true. Yes, that is very, very true. Um, there was no repeat of Allen Fieldhouse to be had here as props to the ITP crew for saying, hey, this team really can't shoot threes very well, so you're probably going to live just fine with it. TCU shot 30% from the floor, 28% from three. Remember, this is a team that shot 68% in the win over Oklahoma State on Saturday, so only a cool 38% worse from Saturday to Monday. Nick always talks about how teams are due to shoot poor a day after shooting well, and this game's going to give a lot of fuel to that argument. TCU also only had one more offensive rebound than Kansas did, which was what sunk their ship after the initial barrage of scoring wore off at Allen Fieldhouse. The defense was really good. A staple of Bill Self teams. Three games into the year, we're like, ooh, this team has never defended anyone in their lives. By February, oh, they're one of the best defensive teams in the country. The defense is great, right? Yeah, I mean, but in this team, weirdly, I, I feel like has been a fairly solid defensive team all season, at least after maybe the first handful of games. They've been a beautiful defensive team. Um, it's what having a Dewan Harris and a Kevin McCuller on your team at the same time will do, I'm sure. You have such a high floor. When and you add in the length of Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson, and you're doing pretty all right. So, yeah, no, the defense yeah. has been has been quite good. Speaking of Grady Dick, Nick, do you want to tell us about him? Yeah, uh, 
Grady Dick started hard and got soft. Uh, led KU in scoring <laughs> with 19 points. But it's worth noting Just that it like did Ryan. not score. Uh, oh, what the hell? Why am I catching strays? Uh, <laughs> I didn't even do anything. He did not score in the final 18 minutes. He finished 7 for 18 from the floor, including 3 for 10 on threes, and 34 minutes played. He also had 6 rebounds. His 3-point rate in conference play is down to 36%. Uh, sounds a little concerning, which has been steadily decreasing since he was at 48% in non-conference. So Landon said something that was so 2016 Rock Chalk bloggy that my eyeballs went boing out of their sockets. Because Landon, you called Grady Dick a mid-three-point shooter on Monday night. Yeah, I did. And I hated it. Um, I didn't... I... 36% being a slump is not mid. That's elite. Well... He's 36% in conference play, but, like, it continues to drop. Um, yes, he's a very exciting player to watch, and I'm not saying that he should necessarily shoot less, but how many times do we have to see a guy go, like, 2 of 7 or 3 of 10 or 2 of 9 to say, hey, maybe shoot, like, a couple less a game because you don't hit them? Eventually, you are what I your mean- stats say you are in basketball. One thing that I think will help Grady Dick is people still guard him like they think it's going in the basket every time. And I think it opens things up for everybody else. But I haven't changed the stance on it. Three for ten from Grady Dick and how many of them look like they were going down but just barely clanged out. I'll take that every time. I love how he shot at least nine threes in each of his last three games. And by the way, of those 28 shots that he's taken from three in the last three games, he's made nine of them. So it's not by any stretch like he's, you know, going through a one for 12 stretch or anything. I, I want Grady Dick shooting the hell out of the basketball all the time. And calling him mid for being a 36% conference shooter is insane. How how high the standard is. He's shooting 41% over a, a season-long sample size. There's nothing mid about that at all. No, but again, he started the season on fire. I mean, we were calling him Clay Thompson Light, Larry Bird 2.0, you know, all of the best shooter in the history of Kansas basketball. And yeah, those are all too high, and that's part of the reason I'm feeling the way that I am, is that we were on such a high with him early in the year that this feels bad. And certainly, he's not been a bad three-point shooter by any stretch, but I it is frustrating to watch a guy who I know can make a lot of threes make like you know 25 to 30 percent of them more often than not let's talk about dewan harris who was great six points eight assists no turnovers 37 minutes he took nine shots making just three of them but he was aggressive which i think was big we saw him go to the basket and take shots they didn't all go in but that opened up some some opportunities for other players wherever you can't just sit on dewan harris at the top of the key knowing he's never going to take you to the cup because he did in this game but Harris's passing was the star of the night for Kansas. He didn't get much help from the backup point guards. Joe Yesifu and Bobby Pettiford combined for just one basket and no assists in 13 combined minutes. But whenever you have Harris going out there, eight assists, no turnovers. He had one to MJ Rice where he was literally pointing at him where to cut. And then he fired the thing overhand into a, a teeny tiny little window that actually made me give a, a Tiger on Sunday fist pump watching the game. Uh, Harris in his last three games, 26 assists, two turnovers. Um, We are never, ever, 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 ever allowed on this show to say anything negative regarding DeJuan Harris not being good enough to be a power five point guard or anything because we've all had turns over the last year and a half saying that. DeJuan Harris is an elite point guard who is going to be a freaking legend by the time his time at Kansas is over. Nick, do you agree with that? 
Yeah, he's already pretty much cementing that he has a national championship uh, as as the point guard at KU. Um, next year, I'm super excited to see where his shot takes him. Um, I'm excited to see. You know, he, last season he wasn't a good shooter at all. This season he's he's averaging some points, and then next year he's going to have a much larger role uh, without Grady Dick, presumably. So uh, his progression is is admirable. Oh, and in case the eight assists to no turnovers doesn't impress you enough, he was primarily guarding Mike Miles, preseason Big 12 Player of the Year, Mike Miles, who went four for 14 from the floor. That is a season that is a season low in shooting percentage. So in case the offensive stats weren't good enough, he also held the Big 12 Player of the Year in the preseason to his worst shooting game of the year. He is a ridiculous point guard, and I will only refer to him on the show in the future as national champion Dewan Harris. Let's talk about the Big 12 race. Because Kansas and Texas, with three games left, are now tied at 11-4. and four, And everybody else is pretty much out of it. Baylor is next with K-State, but they're two games back with three to go. And it's, it'd be very surprising to see either of them get have a chance to, to... I mean, they'd have to win out and have Kansas or Texas lose out at this point. How is the Big 12 race going to go? You think that Kansas is in the best position of the two teams that are, uh, that are currently at the top? I think for I the most part, so. I would say so. Uh, particularly because, you know... Texas schedules daunting two road games, TCU and Baylor. Um, the one thing that does benefit Texas is that the return game from KU and for the KU game is in Austin. So that will be their benefit, especially if KU wins their two next two games and Texas somehow wins their next two games. Then you're looking at a potential scenario where Kansas loses in Austin and they're not Big 12 champions, um, which is pretty crazy considering how many games they've won consistently. And that would be a, what, nine and t- nine wins in 10-game stretch and they wouldn't win the conference. That would be that would be pretty crazy. And it would suck. It would. And, but at the end of the day, I don't think that hurts them on the seed line. I don't think that hurts them anywhere if they go 13-5 and five and lose to Texas in the end as long as they don't get crushed. But I don't think it's going to come to that. My prediction right now, I'm going to call my shot. Kansas will finish 13-5 and five and win the conference outright. They will lose in Austin and win the conference outright. I believe Kansas is going to win their next two games, and I believe Texas is going to lose their next two games. Heading into that last game of the year, Kansas will have two more wins than Texas at the final game of the season. So the Jayhawks are definitely in the driver's seat. And unless you think they lose at home to Texas Tech and West Virginia, who are playing better as of late, but neither one of them, they're going to be a 10-point favorite in both of those games. And unless you think Texas can be both TCU and Baylor on the road, which Texas has been very good on the road recently, then Kansas is going to have a share of the conference title wrapped up at minimum going into that game, which may not even matter. All right, let's talk about Jalen Wilson, Landon. This was probably his worst game of the year. Uh, he scored more points than he did against Texas, but he uh, it just didn't it didn't work, and KU still won anyway. Yeah, other than the Texas game, this is probably his worst statistic game. Um, Bill Self said it was his worst play of the year. Uh, he had seven points, three of 11 from the floor in 33 minutes. He did have 13 rebounds, also three assists, which were great. Uh, but a frustrated Wilson threw his arms up in the air after each missed shot, looking for fouls that were not called. What were your thoughts, Ryan? My thoughts on this were Jalen Wilson, the ball just didn't bounce the correct way for him. I thought that most of the shots he took were good. I don't remember having a single moment where I saw him shoot and I was thinking, oh, that wasn't a good good decision there. Uh, I think that the, the calls were in his head a little bit. He seemed really frustrated at the whistle he got. And the one whistle he did get was the one that should have been a charge going the other way when they gave him an and one on that play. 
Uh, but it's pretty amazing. And I think, Nick, what I'm going to leave it at is if Jalen Wilson's worst game of the year is 13 rebounds in a road game, that tells you just how special of a season he's having. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, but I don't like the, tr the, the trend that this is taking for Jalen Wilson. That's back-to-back -back games where he hasn't looked completely great. Um, so, you know, I'm not worried. He had that huge five-game stretch where it was probably one of the best in the Big Self. Big, 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 <laughs> big Self Bill era. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> I can't get words out tonight. Bill Self era, probably one of the best five-game stretches for any of his players ever. Um, so I am not worried about Jalen Wilson. Like you said, the ball didn't fall in the hoop this, this game. But, um, you know, hopefully that, that productivity, which Kansas has not needed the Jalen Wilson productivity that he had in those five games earlier this season. But that would be great if we can get that shooting back. That, that, was, that was super good. So Jalen Wilson, starting with the K-State game where he dropped 38, went on a six-game stretch wherever he scored more points in those six games than any Kansas player ever has in a six-game stretch ever. Uh, he had at least 20 points in every game. And then starting with the Texas game, which was five games ago, he's been under his season average in points for each of the last five games. Two, 18, 14, 21 against Baylor. He was great there, but only seven in this game. So he is under 20 points, officially 19.9 on the season now, but still having a ridiculously good season. And Jalen Wilson is a guy that I, it's kind of like when Patrick Mahomes struggles in December or he has a bad December game. I literally don't care. I know what I'm getting from him in the playoffs. Jalen Wilson, I know what I'm going to get from him in the, in the in the postseason. I have no doubts in my mind he's going to be the best player on the floor in the majority of those games for Kansas. He's a battle-tested winner who, Landon, unless you, you have any reason to be concerned, I don't have any concern about what we're going to get out of postseason Jalen Wilson. I think he's going to be good, um, though we have seen several Bill Self-era players have very good seasons trail off a little at the end, and then trail off a little in the Big 12 tournament. I think Wilson will still be fine, but I wouldn't necessarily be stunned if he continues to be a little bit less, but then again, a little bit lesser than what he was doing is still, like, in the mid-teens scoring uh, and, like, 10 rebounds, so that's not exactly awful. Well, speaking of things that are a little less than what we want them to be, the refs! Because they actually, I guess, weren't horrible in this game. The, the jump ball was horrible. That Kevin McCuller had that ball, and they called the jump really fast when a few minutes ago they let everybody tackle each other on the floor before calling a jump ball or granting a timeout. So they're inconsistent as it gets, but I guess they really weren't terrible. We normally complain about them here. They, they did fine, right? They, I mean, Kansas was called for more fouls than TCU. Take that, Kansas gets all the fouls crowd. I actually didn't really think about them until this moment, so that's a huge win. And I said fouls. Take that, Kansas gets all the calls crowd, because you know they were they were they were fine in this game. All right, let's let's talk about the last few players. Nick, let's let's talk about the bigs. KJ, have it your way. Had six. Why points. did we never think about that before? I did. That's I brilliant, see, I, sir. I sent you the Photoshop of of KJ Adams with a BK I never crown put on. The in the app. I never put the sound and I said, together. And I, I said all caps, uh, B, uh, KJ, have it your way. You rule. Well, um, so he, I, he kind I, of ruled I in this rule. game. I don't rule. I suck. Six points, six rebounds, four turnovers, four fouls, 26 minutes. He was two for eight from the floor. Very inefficient for him. Ernest Uday was good off the bench, scoring six points on an efficient three for three in 14 minutes. But he also had three steals, but he did foul three times. You guys concerned about the fouling for these bigs? There's a lot of... A lot of fouling and a lot of uh, butts on the bench because of the Bill Self auto bench rule. What do you think? 
I'm yeah, con- KJ fouls a lot. I'm concerned Zach Clements is going to have to play eight minutes against insert Pac-12 opponent here that's already up 11. Oh, no, a Pac-12 team in the tournament against Bill's Jayhawks? <laughs> Don't want that. This year? Two-seed UCLA in the West because Houston Nick, the other one seed in the Midwest. I, I, <laughs> I was going to say, Nick, easy. Now, I, have, I haven't had a great history of predicting who Kansas will handle as a two-seed in the uh, NCAA tournament. I actually love Arizona uh, as the two-seed, yeah, actually. I'm not telling you who I love is. You know who I love? I, I, you know who I re- No, I'm not even going to not even gonna. Kara Carissa would, uh, my, would hit a thousand threes in, in seven yep. minutes. In, in less than that, probably. My hot take is Kansas might be better if Ernest Uday starts and plays 25 minutes than they are with KJ. I'm not sure. I'm not going to mess with something that's working, but I think Ernest Uday, he's so damn smart. Like, I just watch him with his hands. He He's so smart. He has good instincts on what to grab. He does foul a lot because freshman bigs, but his, his spacing, he had two different times where KU missed the shot, so you, you didn't get the, the, the fancy recognition it deserved. Two different times where he set a beautiful screen that set up a guy with a corner three. I think Grady Dick missed both of them, but that's just not stuff you see freshman bigs having the awareness on the space and where to stand to do that. And then just his ability to know where he's out on the floor. To I think he's very intelligent. I love the young dope comparison, and I think that he should play more than he is. But KJ's a good player too, and it works. Other notes here. MJ Rice had a basket when Dewan Harris threw an incredible pass on a cut. He played four minutes. KU's bench gave them eight points and three rebounds in 31 minutes. They probably need more. 39% from the floor, 19% on threes. That gives you this. But they didn't need it because TCU was somehow worse from the floor. And 67% from the line, plus six on the glass. Bill Sell said they played horrible on offense, and that feels fair, but they won. Any closing thoughts? I agree with Bill Self there. They were not good on offense, but they did do a lot on defense, and they got a big win. They just controlled the second half. And it, it was a, it was a classic case where this made you feel like the vintage Kansas teams where they were only up like four for most of the second half, but no part of me thought they were losing that game at any point in the second half. No part of me thought they were going to lose it because they just they always find a way to make more plays than their opponent does. And props to you, Jamie Dixon, for not calling your timeouts and letting awful possession after awful possession happen down the stretch. Yikes. Nick, any closing thoughts? It was a it was a good win, and I think KU is uh, set up in a good position here with a couple of soft games ahead, uh, at least in the Big Twelve schedule, uh, to to make some uh, headway towards another Big Twelve title. My closing thoughts are fourth one seed. My ass, give me a break. So before we get into other games. I want you guys to quickly tell me the answer to this riddle, all right? Find the common denominator between these three schools. Towson, Appalachian State, Missouri State. Mm. Oh, I thought you guys would get well, this. Towson and Appalachian State are both black and gold. Nope, not not color related. I can't believe it. I thought you guys would get this immediately. What was the question again? Sorry. You kind of cut out. What's common, the, common what connects those three schools? Yeah, common, common denominator? denominator between Towson, Appalachian State, and Missouri State. Well, Towson is where oh, Frank Mason. Yeah, committed. they're all. Oh, they're, you're getting somewhere. Yeah, they're all App State where they were and Missouri. Before. That's Dewan Harris. Dewan Harris is Missouri State. Devontae yep. Graham is Appalachian State. Yeah. Yep. Isn't that amazing? That the best three point guards that Kansas has had in the last decade came from those. That, that's, but Marcus that just, Garrett oh, didn't go to one of those schools or committed yeah, to one of those schools. Didn't. 
it just amazes me whenever we talk about how good Bill Self is. It amazes me that they, they find these guys committed to these schools, and they're like, I bet I can make that guy All-American good by the time he's a senior. Sure enough. Just wait. I Dewan Harris is going to win some national hardware by the time he's done at Kansas. Like, he's well on his way. Okay, now it's at least we... a better call than Mitchell Lightfoot. I'll give you that. Oof, yeah, not doing that again. All right, now we can safely go on to Big 12 games. Another fun week of conference games beginning with, well, what else are you going to do but sandstorm whenever all Jerome Tang does is win and then he shakes his booty with the students after the game. Number 14, Kansas State, 75. Number 9, Baylor, because you know it. Scott Drew is a boo. 65, Nick Sandstorm and recap. It wasn't exactly as severe as what happened in Allen Fieldhouse, but Baylor led at halftime and then totally unraveled to start the second half. Kansas State got 25 points from Keontae Johnson and made a 14-point 10 assist game from Marquise Noel. K-State swept Baylor this year and is now in third place in the conference. Baylor made 11 threes, including six from Keontae George, uh, but still lost by double digits. Ryan's stat about Baylor's defense. So get this. I heard this on the radio earlier, and I had to actually – it made me go, huh? And I looked it up, and it's true. Baylor's defense this year is worse. If you take the 50 Big 12 defenses, 10 teams, 5 years, last 5 seasons, Baylor's is 50th out of 50. They are the worst defense in the last 5 years in the Big 12. Wow. Not good. Not good at all. And you know what happens to teams that are bad on defense that are seated really high in the NCAA tournament? Well, normally it doesn't go too well. So remember that when you're filling out your bracket. Baylor is now two games back of Kansas. Uh, Do do we still think they're the second best team in the Big 12? Because screw it, I kind of do. Yeah, kind of. I think they're the the second most scary after Kansas. But they also may be more susceptible to, huh, losses than uh, Texas is. I don't know. K-State, by the way, hell of a season for Jerome Tang. Wow. Just amazing that that he's got the preseason 10th place team out of 10 teams in third entering the final week of the season outstanding job for him number eight texas 72 number 23 iowa state 54 landon we were hoping for a home run of a week for kansas instead we'll have to settle for a triple because a lot of stuff went kansas's way but not quite with all of it would be in this one yeah maybe some solace for the cyclones they did not help kansas at all Texas moved back into his first-place tie with the Jayhawks after blowing out Iowa State. Tyrese Hunter and Serge Barry Rice both scored 15 points. Texas made 12 threes. Iowa State made only four. Nick, fill in the blank. Iowa State is the what best team in the Big 12? I think sixth. I think I would say eighth. Like, I, I, I think Texas Tech's better than Iowa State. The records don't show it. I think they're better than Iowa State. Uh, I don't know. I think I would say... Who's definitely seventh? better than them? Kansas, Texas, <clears throat> K-State, Baylor, and TCU, right? Clearly better. My apologies for the sneeze. That's okay. You're allowed to sneeze. We're talking about Iowa State. KU, Texas, K-State, Baylor, TCU, all clearly better than Iowa State when healthy, right? So that makes them Probably, six. yeah. Yeah. I think Tech's better than them. I think Oklahoma State's better than them. They swept them. So I, I have them eight. I don't know. I think six. Six or seven. Now they're going to be a battle in Kansas City, though, with all their fans there. Disappointing loss for the Cyclones, who 
it's it's they are what they are. They're tough to beat at home. They've only lost a couple home games, but man, they are just they're not even competitive in a lot of these road games. Texas Tech 74, Oklahoma 63. Nick, how about the Red Raiders coming on? It might be too little too late, but they're making a push. Four straight for the Red Raiders who play are playing well as anyone in the conference. They shot 62% from the floor and uh, to Oklahoma's 36%. Somehow they only won by nine, though. The Sooners are now in last play a full two games. Uh, yeah, Tanner Groves, is gonna his career is almost over. Porter Moser sucks ass. I don't understand how this team is this freaking bad. They and I, and I get frustrated about it because I just I don't like seeing teams that should be good be lousy. I don't care about Oklahoma. They can I, I wouldn't pee on Oklahoma if they were on fire. I don't care. But at the same time, boy, this team should be better than this. And you know what, Tanner Groves, you know what, Tanner Groves, I, this is just pure comeuppance for what you did to me. You suck, you jackass. Even though I think he actually played pretty well in this game. Oh well. West Virginia 85, Oklahoma State 67. Landon, uh, KU's next opponent is coming into Allen Fieldhouse on a very high note. Yes, they are. And Eric Stevenson made five threes. He scored 23 points. West Virginia was careful with the ball in an impressive win, but the Big 12 refs still managed to call 47 fouls in 40 minutes. Uh, for those that are slow at math, that's more than one a minute. Ugh. It's also three straight losses by double digits, no less, for Oklahoma State since their five-game winning streak. That is far in the rear view now. Seven and eight overall in the conference. Will it be enough for them to be playing in March? I think they would need to win two out of the last three. Well, no, I think they're in. There is ne- So here's a little fun factoid. Since the Big 12 went to the current 18-game schedule format, there has never been a team win at least eight league games that failed to make the tournament. So if Oklahoma State wins one more, the math says 100% of the time they're in. K-State at home, Baylor at home, at Texas Tech. There might be underdogs in all three games, but I think they probably get one and finish eight and ten. Let's look at the Big 12 bracketology. Kansas is in. They're going to be a one or two. Texas, Baylor, K-State, they're all going to be top four seeds. Iowa State is in safely. TCU is in safely. That's six teams safely in. Then what else? I think Oklahoma State is in because they're going to get to eight wins, and the math says that gets you in, even though I think West Virginia is in, too. Uh, See, I don't need West Virginia in. They have the same record. Uh, But Oklahoma State's two games better in conference play, and I just think they're simply better. I saw them almost beat Kansas. I saw them almost beat Kansas State, and they're still 7-8. and West Virginia is going to be an 11 seed that's going to lose by double digits to a 6 seed, and none of us are going to care to watch that game. Landon, what's your take on all this? Yeah, um, I was reading a different thing, so pose the question to me again. I think that... Sorry, I was just going to say, I think that there might be nine teams in the Big 12 that get in, actually. Yeah, I think oh, tournament. Yeah, I think nine is a decent. It's bet, looking more and more like eight. Uh, the I think net Texas rankings Tech has... should be. Why should Texas Tech be out when Oklahoma, when West Virginia is in? How is West Virginia better than Texas Tech? I test resume. I don't care. The uh, current cutoff on uh, the net rankings: Texas Tech's 49th, North Carolina with 0 and 9 in quadrant one is in 48th. So Texas Tech's <laughs> right there. Texas Tech, I think, and see, we just read Oklahoma State's final uh, games. Texas Tech's final three games are looking much better. They do have at Kansas, which is going to be tough. 
but home games against TCU and Oklahoma State, they could definitely go 2-1, and one, get to 7-11, and 11, and then, boy, I, I would dare the committee to, to leave me out at that point. I think seven wins from uh, Texas Tech might get them in the tournament, especially if they can win one in Kansas City. Landon, the original question was how many Big 12 teams get in the tournament? We know six are absolute dunks, and Oklahoma State is probably pretty safe, too, with the you win eight games and you're in. So we'll say seven locks. Then who else is left? Do you have West Virginia, uh, Oklahoma, or not Oklahoma? Do you have West Virginia and Texas Tech, or neither? Which one? Who gets in? Yeah, I think they're both right on the bubble. Let me look at their overall records. Um, well, they both played horrible non-conference schedules. West Virginia did get a nice road yeah. win at Pitt, but Texas Tech was awful. But I'll give credit to Texas Tech. They tried. They scheduled teams like Louisville. It ain't their damn fault Louisville's the worst basketball team we've ever seen. That's a name. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would say if I had to put money on it right now, Oklahoma, or not Oklahoma State, West Virginia and Texas Tech are probably both on the outside looking in. Oklahoma State is probably just on the inside. Um, Tech and West Virginia can both get there, but they're going to both need to play pretty well down the stretch. They're almost certainly both taking losses at Kansas in the next couple games. That'll West Virginia still has to go losses. at they're... Iowa State, too, so that's probably a loss. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a tough road. I'd rather um, see Tech I mean, in than West Virginia. It's wild that we're even talking about the 8th and ninth team yep. being this close to the tournament in a conference. I don't know. I don't know if either of them will. I It's 7, I think, for sure, unless Oklahoma State continues to completely fall apart. And right um, now, Texas Tech and West seven. Virginia are scheduled to play in the opening Wednesday night game in the Big 12 tournament. It very well may come down to who wins that game, having the upper hand. Because if one of those teams that is on the bubble loses on Wednesday night of Champ Week, they're going to get passed several times over by teams that are going to win on Thursday and Friday later on in other tournaments. I would rather see Tech than West Virginia. I think Tech's a better team than West Virginia. But ultimately, it's probably going to come down to who wins that 8-9 game, and then can the winner of that shock Kansas and get a signature win to get in? Maybe. Remains to be seen. Either way, Big 12 is good. Here are the standings. Number one, Kansas and Texas tied by themselves but with some breathing room at 11-4. and four. Tied for third, K-State and Baylor at 9-6. and six. Alone in fourth place is Iowa State at 8-7. and seven. I guess it'd be fifth, but I don't know how to write numbers, so whatever they are. Sixth place is a tie between TCU and Oklahoma State. They are 7-8. and eight. Um, In eighth place, Texas Tech and West Virginia, they are 5-10. and ten. And away in the cellar is Porter Mosier and uh, Oklahoma at 3-12. and 12. Other games. So we begin as what unfortunately is becoming a relatively common theme in sports on a sad note. Because last show, we had to talk about the Michigan State tragedy affecting basketball, which obviously is not even close to the top of the thing list of things that impacted. But this is a basketball podcast, so they had a Michigan State game get canceled. And now we're talking about Alabama and not what's going on with one of the greatest teams and greatest players in the sport on the floor, but it's all the stupid shenanigans happening off the court. Nick, sum this up a little bit for me because you've done a lot of homework into this. What's going on with Alabama and Brandon Miller? Yeah, so uh, it was released uh, about two days ago. Uh, the, poli- the Tuscaloosa Police Department and uh, ESPN report corroborated that Brandon Miller uh, did have some sort of involvement 
in regards to the shooting that took place in January with the uh, the former Alabama teammate who uh, ended up uh, being involved in the murder of that young lady in, in Alabama. Uh, it ended up being reported that Brandon Miller got a text from the, the Alabama player who is now being uh, convicted for murder uh, that he should bring his blinky or gun or whatever he texted uh, and bring it to the to a certain place. Uh, there's reports from Alabama fans and Alabama reporters that Brandon Miller was already on his way to the scene of the uh, where was the shooting was happening before he requested the gun to be brought. Somehow the gun ended up in the backseat regardless. Apparently Brandon Miller didn't touch it, but it was it was transported to the crime scene and hit the vehicle that he drove. Um, and he was, yeah, he was. That's that's the extent of the involvement we know. NATO did a post uh, a little press conference, which was you know the, the kind of the height of this controversy is that he kind of shrugged it off as being in the wrong place, the wrong time. Um, in hindsight, Yeesh. maybe it was. Uh, depending on actually Brandon Miller's involvement, did he actually hand the gun? Did he know the gun was in the car? Sounds like a bad position to be in regardless that, that he knew of the gun and was aware of the gun. So bad judgment all around. Uh, not a good scene. Why, why, why do we have to resort to violence, guys? Just Why do you have guns in the first place? Maybe you should just settle disputes verbally and not physically. But that's just well, me. Well, and the, the the line about that people are really up in arms about is Nate Oates saying about his star freshman, I guess he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. No, that's what you say whenever you're driving and you do a little rolling stop through a four-way intersection and there's a cop behind the bushes. Oh, I got a ticket for that? Yep, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's not what you say whenever you give somebody a gun that they then shoot and kill somebody with. Just despicable by Nate Oates, who we've all talked very highly of on this podcast, listing him on a short list of who we'd want to see be Bill Self's predecessor should Self leave Kansas. That's a quote that's going to stick with people for a while. Yeah, sorry, successor. That's a quote that's going to stick with people for a little while. Alabama can win a lot of basketball games, but people are going to look at Nate Oates as the guy who said that when faced in this in this situation. Far from great. And Landon, if there is a problem with Alabama and Brandon Miller, it certainly didn't show on the floor, at least what Miller did. Good Lord. Yeah, not Miller specifically. Uh, the Crimson Tide went to South Carolina as a 17-point favorite. They needed a last-second bucket just to force overtime, though. They did win 78-76. Brandon Miller, however, scored 41 points. He had 14 baskets. The rest of his team had 13 baskets. Um, So he's still pretty good. He seemed locked in. Uh, The rest of the team, maybe a little bit distracted. First-team All-America with a layup. And now, I I, I can't think... Who knows if it's going to impact a what appears to be a top five prospect in the NBA draft. Just can't be good for him. Can't be good for anyone to have all this crap swirling around their program. And they have no one to blame but themselves. Because all you have to do is not kill someone, literally. And this isn't a problem. Which, too bad that that's too too many rules for some people to follow, I guess. Keeping pace with Alabama was the underrated number 25 ranked Texas A&M Aggies. Who took down number 11 Tennessee at home 68-63. Alabama's 14 and 1, A&M is 13 and 2, and third place Kentucky won by double digits in Gainesville against the Gators. These are the only three teams with double digit league wins. Kentucky rumors of their demise were a little exaggerated. They they aren't as good as we thought they'd be, uh, but they appear to be pretty safely in the tournament. They're starting to put a lot of wins together. Oh, the best team in freeze. the ACC. Everyone's going to freeze because Landon normally reads after me, but I read after Landon and mixed it up, and now we're a mess. So, yeah, just somebody save us. 
Nick, take it. ACC. Uh, yeah, the best team in the ACC is number 13, Miami, who is now in outright possession of first place by beating Virginia Tech on the road by six. Nobody cares. Pittsburgh is a half game back to the Hurricanes. Nobody cares. Duke beat Louisville, and ESPN called them dangerous. Nobody cares. <laughs> and USC nearly beat 2-15 and Notre Dame on the road, and nobody still cares. At halftime of that game uh, between Duke and Louisville, where I think Louisville led by nine points, or Duke led Louisville, who's like 4-20 and 20 by nine points, and Lafonso Ellis was like, yeah, this is as good as Duke's looked all year. And we're like, what? What do you mean? They're beating Louisville by nine, dude. And everyone's like, John Shire won 20 games. He's the first Duke coach to do that in his first year. Yes, because before the last guy coached there, the season was like 20 games long in its entirety. Good for John Shire for winning 20 games with that roster. Good Lord. Um, Here is my take on number six, Virginia. A drop's coming. I bet you can't guess which one it is. They are ass. After narrowly escaping Louisville and Notre Dame, who have a combined four league wins in late February, Virginia went on the road at a horrible Boston College team that's 14-15, and and they scored 48 points and lost by 15. They are still a half game back of the league lead in this horrible, awful ACC. The arrow is pointing straight downward for Tony Bennett's Cavaliers, which should make anyone who appreciates offense do that evil little Grinch smile. Screw them. And here's Nick's two-word take. What? What am I supposed to? What? Wait a minute. Wow. What? Wow. I I, I really I really thought I was de-waiting <laughs> the ball behind me, no look style, uh, and Nick just let it fly over his head. What was Nick's uh, What was Nick's yeah, what was uh, two-word phrase here? Uh, nobody cares. Oh. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nobody cares. All right. I let's didn't try care. That again. I cared so little. I didn't say anything. Let's there try we, that again. Yeah, we're back. Uh, let's try that again. The arrow is pointing the wrong way. Tony Bennett sucks. Virginia's terrible. Jokes are so much better. You do them the second time. Here's the next two-word take. Nobody cares. You come for the Good basketball. Enough. You stay for the comedy. Let's not let's not get our wires crossed here. Number Speaking ten. Of wires crossed. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh man. <laughs> I say uh, wires crossed no. and we both talk at the same time. Land and take it. I'm gonna I'm gonna hide in my hole now. Number ten Marquette collected an impressive victory, something we have no knowledge of. Nope. By none. going on the road at number nineteen Creighton and winning seventy three to seventy one. The Golden Eagles are on the cusp of clinching the big east as they lead by two games with three to go. A three way tie between number sixteen Xavier, number twenty Providence, and Creighton exists for second place in a very interesting and competitive Big East. Jeez. Jeez. Oof. What is going on here? Yeah. Repeat after me. Nick is after Landon. <laughs> we are in a uh, tailspin here. Uh, Michigan State whipped number 17 Indiana in their first home game since the tragic campus shooting. <laughs> Sorry, the final score was eighty to sixty-five. First place Purdue had the week off. It what a disaster! <laughs> oh my god! Did Nick just chuckle his way through this sentence because he had to sneeze? The one sentence you really should have. The one sentence that through. really we just should have just nailed. No one very, can. No one first can place Purdue had Virginia. the week off. Uh, I see the guy of the week off, and while second place <laughs> number twenty-one Northwestern lost to Illinois. Minnesota, they're one in fifteen. Minnesota! Us in the segment today, one in fifteen. 
man, that is uh, that is a very sad, sad loss. Um, all of that exciting basketball we just talked about, well, we attempted to talk about it. I'm not going to say that we successfully did it. But all that exciting basketball, yeah. Uh, and then there was number one Houston, who was beaten up on uh, Tulane. Now, before you ask yourself, does Tulane suck, to which the answer is yes, you may want to know what place is Tulane in in their conference. <laughs> they're in second place, and they're the second best team that that American Athletic Conference has to offer, and yet Houston still beat them by 30. Once again, I say, fourth one seed my ass. Good God almighty, somebody read the next paragraph. <laughs> in the West Coast Conference, everybody's favorite conference. I uh, would say the best conference. No, it's number fifteen St. Mary's and number twelve Gonzaga, both destroyed inferior opponents to set up a showdown on Saturday with plenty on the line. St. Mary's is fourteen and one, and Gonzaga is thirteen and two in league. The Gales can seal an outright title to and end the Bulldogs' run of ten consecutive WCC titles. But they'll have to win in Spokane to get it. Ryan does not think that's going to happen. Well, and you want to—if you want to know just how much Ass. the West Coast Conference is, Gonzaga hasn't played their game yet tonight. They play San Diego at home, but we're going to go ahead and say they whipped up on an inferior opponent because in that conference, there's never a doubt about the hot dog water that exists in seeds three through <laughs> ten. Awful. <laughs> Ranked teams to lose since the last show. What a list we have here. And we, we usually take turns saying it, but we've done really well at that tonight. So I'm sure this will go great. Number six, Virginia lost to Boston College. Number nine, Baylor. They lost to K-State. Number 11, Tennessee lost to uh, Virginia Tech. Number 16, what? Xavier lost to Villanova. Welcome back. Tennessee, did, Tennessee didn't lose to Virginia Tech. Tennessee lost... Oh. To Texas A&M. Oh, wow. yeah, sorry. All right, sorry about that. Um, uh, just <laughs> having a disaster. really rough time here. Okay, uh, Tennessee lost to A&M. Number 16, Xavier lost to Villanova. Hey, welcome back. Number 17, Indiana lost to Michigan State. Number 19, Creighton lost to Marquette. Number 20, Providence lost to... What? what? Wait, wait a second. Providence didn't also lose to Villanova. What in the world is happening with our notes? <laughs> Oh okay, Xavier yeah, lost to Villanova. Providence lost to UConn. Number 20, Providence lost to UConn. Number 21, Northwestern, who is ranked, I guess, lost to Illinois. Number 23, Iowa State lost to Texas. And I know I got this one right. Number uh, 24, TCU lost to... Damn it, Bill! And the Jayhawks. Last weekend, pick them. Nick, you picked up a game. If you did that once, if you picked up one game each week, it would take you until late August to catch up, I'm pretty sure, because you're like 25 <laughs> games behind. But at least you can say you, you, you got a little closer. Okay, so early July instead of August. Sorry. All right, we're running long on the show today, and we have a half a bazillion Rock Chalk Blog Ask RCB questions. So, Landon, I'm going to uh, I'm going to encourage you as you read questions. Let's go really, really fast. Let's go for the fastest Ask RCB round we've ever had in our life. You ready? Let's do it. Speed round. Quick Here answers. At KU tweets and news. What do you make of Dick shooting more of the last few games? At least nine threes taken in each of the last three. Is it a confidence building technique for March? Yes. Keep going. Let's hope so. Pettiford or Yesifu? Uh, Nick, who's the first guard off the bench? Easily, uh... Oh, easily. Uh, I'm gonna go Yesifu. 
Kate Landon. Also more of a statement. McCuller is easily the most underrated player on the team. Maybe around college basketball, one of the more underrated players. From at Rushhawk AJ, who is your Big 12 first and second team? That takes a long time to think about. So someone who wants to say it quickly, go for it. I mean, first I team, Jalen Wilson, uh, Adam Flagler, Keontae George, uh, Serge Jabari Wright. Uh, Marcus Carr is probably going to get it. And, uh, geez, uh, Keontae Johnson. There, that work. Second team are, I mean, Kansas probably gets Grady Dick on the second team. Dewan Harris should get in there. Um, another one from AJ. Does Rodney Terry get the interim tag taken off, or off after the season? No, unless they make a deep run. They're Texas. They're going to hire someone that's too big. And that's it for Ask RCB. Uh, thanks for uh, submitting <laughs> your questions. If you have any questions, make sure to tag at Ryan underscore Landreth uh, or just don't send them at all. That, what you just got was a little glimpse of Nick's dream, which unfortunately is not happening today because we still have 19 more to go. At Evan Phillips 45. Oh my gosh. Ignoring the fact that Wilson does deserve a friendlier whistle, does Wilson and McCullough, I like that, McCullough's constant whining about the refs not calling for fouls, them drive every time. Or that does the fact that they whine for calls a lot annoy you? Yeah, Wilson nope, does cry. Never a little has, bit. never oh, will. Okay, fine. You know, you want to just say the refs suck. Ass. So therefore, they deserve to be told how much Ass. they suck. I'm fine with that. Uh, Rock Talk AJ also says he's going to his first game in 13 years this weekend in Lawrence. Any suggestions on stuff to do either around Lawrence or Allen Fieldhouse? Well, none uh, of us live there. That's There's you guys. Stuff to do, but. That's you guys' music to your ears. AJ messaged me this morning, and I said, and I said, I really don't know, but ask that as a question because Nick and Landon have a better idea of the entertainment in that area. So you guys better act like that's, you know something. I don't. Nick might do. Make something up if you don't. Hey, go to an escape room in Lawrence. That's fun. It's not Lawrence specific, that. but. Yep, that's fine. It is a good place to go to one. Come on, Nick. You got to know the places to be in Lawrence. Man, I am so out of... The place to be in Lawrence are the bars, and I don't drink all alcohol, of, so... All of Mass Street is cool. There are bars and stuff down there if you're into that, so that can be fun. But there's also just a lot of other cool stuff on Mass Street. Um, so I would recommend, if you got some time to kill, uh, just go walk down there. There's, like, an art gallery and all sorts of shops and restaurants and whatnot, so you can have a good time down on Mass Street. There is a really good restaurant on Mass Street called Burger Stand. It's one of my favorite places to eat. I stop there every now and then when we're in Lawrence, and that is absolutely worth checking out. Yeah, the bars are big and everything. Uh, and Kansas. There's is a, a soda shop that has just like hundreds of different flavors of soda that are yeah. like from very obscure brands. That's cool. I went in there once. That's fun. Do yeah, that. Mass Street is really cool. And KU is a beautiful campus, too. You can't go wrong just exploring the campus a little bit. Um, another one from AJ. As of right now, who are your picks to make the Final Four? Well, I, I was gonna say Alabama, but all this crap is definitely gonna gonna get. There might be problems with that. Uh, if Purdue can't get there this year, when are they gonna get there? Purdue, Kansas. I'll. I don't know. I guess I'll still say Alabama and. Miami. Give me. Give me Miami or Marquette. Hell, give me give me a flyer on the eat golden. You know what? You know what? Give me Creighton still. I'm sticking with it. They've heat. They, they've they've gotten hot again. Uh, Creighton. All right, I like it. I, I am like going it. with North Carolina, Virginia, Duke, <laughs> and Kentucky, uh, Pittsburgh. Way to go, Dick Vitale. So excited to have you on the show. Uh, one more question for you, Dick. Who do you think wins the Kansas game tomorrow? I think the Mike will win it. No, okay, Dick. You can you can leave now. You can leave. Next one. Uh, another one from Rashok AJ. Uh, you're in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. You do not have a gun. What do you grab as your weapon of choice, Nick? Whatever nukes this segment. 
<laughs> a sword. <laughs> a sword. No one's coming at you with a sword. It's or true. a blowtorch. Very fun, uh, gory weapon for TV. <laughs> uh, also from Rock Talk AJ. Pizza, burgers, wings. You can only keep one. Uh, burgers. Yes. Nick hates burgers, pizza, and wings, I guess. Uh, also from AJ, does Rodney Terry get the interim tag taken off? We after already the did that one. I said if they go oh. deep. <laughs> so much for being fast. Stop laughing, Nick. This is your fault. Your lack of effort is affecting us here. Uh, AJ, if you could only add. Uh, what is the best song played in inside of Allen Fieldhouse? Asks at Grilled by Bill. Ooh. Is I'm a Boss being played pregame, making a run at the hum and the pregame video, video instrumental? Uh, the pregame video instrumental is Mind Heist by uh, in, from Inception, I think. And it's awesome. Uh, the Hum is is an all-timer. I'm a Boss is good. They used to play Power Surge uh, back at the... That was like the, the main tip-off song. Those are all pretty good. Uh, but I, I like their remixes of Welcome to the Jungle and Thunderstruck because at my heart, I am a 58-year-old dad. <laughs> I can confirm that. Oh, another one from Rock Chalk AJ. If you could add one Chiefs player to this KU team, who would it be? Ooh, boy. Patrick Mahomes. That, no, I don't think the answer is Mahomes. I, something tells me that like Isaiah Pacheco or somebody like that would be just a ridiculous Chris basketball Jones. player. Hey, Chris Derek Jones. Derek Naughty. Let's see Derek Naughty on a basketball floor. Chris Jones. Colin would, Saunders. Chris Jones is, is Jalen Wilson's height. They're both like 6'8", uh, are is they? Chris, Chris Jones is like... I don't think Chris Jones is 6'8". I thought he was 6'8". Okay, he's Grady Dick's height. He's 6'6". Uh, let's see. What else do we have from at Dick underscore Taser? If someone gifted you a nice one-bed, one-bath apartment uh, in the recesses of the fog, but you had to live there for the rest of your life, would you do it? Yeah, probably. No. Uh, yeah, that sounds like fun. It would get old fast. He said you get full run of the whole place when it's not in use. Uh, and yes, you can have friends over for parties, but you live in a gym basement. What does full run mean? Does that mean I can play Mario Kart like on get, the TV and all that? Yeah, you can do whatever, apparently. Like, you, you just get all of Allen Fieldhouse when no one else is there. Well, they don't have any air conditioner in, in that place, and I know that's a big one for you. I don't mind that, but, you know, that might you guys might mind that. Sure. Uh, another one from AJ, and this is a good one. Does Fran read Twitter during the game and finds out what pisses off KU fans and keeps doing it? He's never said McCullough, but just kept saying it over and over. Yeah, that did annoy me. I think that he blocked Evan Phillips mid-game. I think that happened. Like, Evan was sharing screenshots of that, so he very well might. That seems very Fran Fraschilla-y. At AJ Stevenson, have Self, Harris, Adams, McCuller, and Uday, and everyone else who've been critical this season done enough to shut the haters up, and regardless of how this postseason goes. Yes, that should be how it works, but it won't. They'll beat a 16 seed by 14 instead of by 30, and people are going to be talking about how this team's guaranteed to lose in the next round. Uh, from Matt Chapman... Diank? I don't, I don't know how to pronounce the last part of that. Uh, from a Tech fan, is there any chance KU drops one at home to give us a decent chance at the tournament? And then parenthetically adds, I'm hanging on to a little hope, though it's probably doubtful, that we win in Lawrence. That's the game that's got me the most scared. West Virginia and Texas Tech, one of them KU will crush the other team. The other one's going to be a dogfight. I lean more towards they'll roll West Virginia and be in a struggle with Tech. Nick from I Got Soul Cole, if you could create a starting five of players who played in the self-air pre-2014, so before uh, 2014, who would be on it? Um, 
This is going great. That's a good question. Oh. I, it's, this is a. I have to sit and think about that. These are Wayne Simeon, the Morrises, Sharon Collins, yeah. and Chalmers. Uh, you want uh, Brandon Rush on that team for sure. Yeah, Brandon Rush for sure. Uh, yeah, Rush, Chalmers, Cole Aldrich makes a chance. The Morai and Thomas Robinson, and you <laughs> just uh, yeah, that'd be that'd be just real fun. At Daddy McKinnon with Kansas, Purdue, Houston, Texas, all being technically considered Midwest teams. What does Kansas need to do to seal that number one seed? Uh, I think they got to win the Big Twelve and potentially win the Big Twelve tournament too. Minimum gets a Saturday in the Big Twelve tournament. But if they get it, the reward is steep. They would get two games in Des Moines and then two games in Kansas City to go to a Final Four, which is in Houston, and they got plenty of fans in Texas too. This is a great path for Kansas. All they got to do is take care of their business the next couple weeks to get there. From at Aaron Sauter, for $5 million, would you live in Emporia, Kansas for five years without <laughs> being able to leave the city limits? During the five years, you would live as you do now with the same daily lives, jobs, studies, living situations, all that. The payout happens after the five years are up. Yeah, I actually have family that lives in Emporia. Um, I have cousins and an aunt and uncle and whatnot. Uh, so that wouldn't be that bad. I don't really like Emporia that much, Nobody to be honest, really as a city. So Nobody does. Uh, but I have family there, so yeah, that wouldn't be that bad. Yeah, it sounds like fun. I'd do it. Five million bucks is pretty good. Yeah, it's five million like dollars to live an hour and a half from where I do now is fine. It's not like you're living in a town of 50 people. There's everything you need to survive five years in Emporia. At Daler012 is Whopper, 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 the worst commercial we've had to endure in a basketball season. Oh my gosh, no, I'm trying to think. Remember when Mike Krzyzewski did those stupid progressive ads with Flo? Or no, it was AT&T. He was on the AT&T ads. Yeah, I do remember those. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the worst ones ever. I'm sure they'll all come to mind after we're done, but I like Whopper, Whopper, Whopper. Sue me. Uh, did we read from Alex Fisher KU? Nope. Hot sports take. I don't care about the Big 12 tournament at all. Regular season and Final Four should be the focus each year. I understand that for some teams, the conference tournament means more and a potential bid, but for KU, it just feels like a potential injury issue. Thoughts? I mean, you're right, it is, but it's also fun. I think it's entertaining. I think it's a, you usually get a handful of really good basketball games, and I think Kansas City is the best of any of the conference tournament settings for a tournament. I like it. I'm a fan because I'm, I'd probably lean more towards I want fun than I want what's going to be the, the most robotic. That's kind of the reason I don't want Tony Bennett to be the coach. They may have the most success, but I root for fun more than success, I think. Yep, same, honestly couple more here at sports stocks 92 what's the case for ku to move up the ranks in the one seed line kind of talked about that got to keep winning at c brutton ku chiefs if one of the starters was to get a significant injury they lose the are if one of the starters gets a significant injury uh which one would hurt the team's chances of a deep run the most jalen wilson far and away yeah that is accurate i think they're not scoring very well without jalen wilson and even when wilson's not scoring he's usually drawing double defenders that are opening it up for somebody else and i believe the last question here um from at steven timmy 17 how will the brandon miller stuff impact alabama's chances at a march run i expect them to be a factor there's no way that team can be 100 percent focused right now wow how about yep, that just right. steamrolling towards it and nick, i like how nick just pieces out for the to 10 minutes that that segment takes place Oh, guys, I actually found one more from at Ryan underscore Landreth. Um, Nick, would you rather get a tattoo or go through the tattoo process and deal with all of the pain without actually getting said tattoo? I, I don't 
I don't know why you get obsessed with the tattoo stuff. I really don't care. <laughs> West Virginia at number three, Kansas. Saturday, February 25th at 3 o'clock p.m. Nick, you just went through like your Aaron Rodgers. I'm glad it <laughs> You just went through your uh, Aaron Rodgers four days being quiet phase. So I guess you should probably read now on the podcast. Tell me about the Mountain Mamas. The Mountaineers are 16 and 12 overall, 5 and 10 in Big 12 play. They're 1 and 6 in lead road games, uh, with the only victory being Texas Tech. Leading the Mountaineers is 6'4 senior guard Eric Stevenson, which is not the Viking on SpongeBob, who is a white guy of the game <laughs> candidate, <laughs> with his 15 points per contest, 40% three point mark, and 5 attempts per game. Uh, Ryan says this game is going to suck for that various reason. Joe Toussaint, I just dropped my croissant. Uh, Keedrian Johnson oh and, and Matthews Jr. all play <laughs> about 10 minutes <laughs> you guys you guys deserve a this better show, show than this this show is going off the rails Nick is laughing I'm, because I wrote uh, that Eric Stevenson is going to make it it's going to be painful to watch and I wrote it's going to suck massive balls and I made it big font Nick can't keep his composure and Landon's laughing and Joe I dropped my croissant Toussaint Kadrian Johnson and Emmett <laughs> Matthews Jr. all play in the front court they're all good players about 10 points per game Texas transfer Trey Mitchell leads the backcourt with 12 points and 5 rebounds the center and leading rebounder is Jimmy Bell Jr. Who is 6'10, weighs almost 300 pounds, and shoots a great percentage, picks up a foul every seven minutes, and struggles to stay on the floor. So here's my breakdown of West Virginia, because they're 5 and 10. It's not gonna, gonna make anyone super happy seeing that record. But they do have some tools in place that could give Kansas more problems than we saw in Morgantown. They're one of the faster playing teams in the Big 12 for a change. They also draw fouls well. They shoot early in the shot clock. They're good inside the arc, and they get to the free throw line as well as anyone in a power league. That's typical from them. What's make them better is they're a better three-point shooting team than they normally are, 36% as a squad. The weaknesses this year have been disappointing from a rebounding perspective. They're not very good at the free throw line despite getting there a lot, and they are very foul prone. This team fouls more than any team in the Big 12. They're 10th out of 10 teams in foul rate in this conference, and usually when you go down Fieldhouse, you don't get the benefit of a bunch of whistles, so they could be in for an uphill battle, which I'm sure Bob Huggins will be very composed if that happens. Just a second, I'm doing something. West Virginia is the only Big 12 team that hasn't won at Allen Fieldhouse. Bob Huggins is 0-10. Will he get number 11? Nick, lead us off. Uh, Kansas is going to win this game um, 100-6. I think that (laughs) they're just going to come out firing in all cylinders. They didn't shoot the ball very well against TCU. um, And... I just think that overall, I think Jalen Wilson, this is a comeback game for him. I think he's going to step up in a huge way. Uh, and I think Dewan Harris is going to play a huge factor in this game, just considering he's guarding Eric, going to be guarding Eric Stevenson for the most part. So I think Kansas um, is going to roll a West Virginia team who just got, came off a good win, but they have prone been prone to win good games and then get blown out. I think that's the similar case in this one. My analysis on this game is I think Kansas wins each of its next two home games, but I think they will make quick work of one, and I think one they will be in a game with with five minutes left. 
I'm going to say this is the one they roll because all things are doing well right now and West Virginia doesn't offer a lot of defensive resistance. We saw Kansas handle this team up in Morgantown because West Virginia started turning the ball over and they had no answer to stopping KU in transition. Grady Dick shot the ball well. Going to say that he shoots the ball pretty well in this game just because West Virginia is pretty mediocre guarding the three-point line. And ultimately, West Virginia wins games at home whenever they can get a lot of fouls called and they can take a lot of free throws. I don't think that's going to happen at Allen Fieldhouse. Kansas wins 80-66. to Jayhawks coast to their 12th Big 12 win. Yeah, and I agree. I, I think Kansas um, is, it has a very good chance to win this game comfortably. Uh, West Virginia, they have been playing a lot better as of late. Um, I, I do think, <laughs> I do think that might give Kansas some problems, but I do think ultimately the Jayhawks going to win this game relatively comfortably in the end. Give me Kansas to win 78 to 65. <laughs> right. As everybody's having way more fun than I ever wanted in these notes. This is once again, the part where I'd like to remind you guys that sometimes when I am at work, I will copy the notes and paste them into a new document, and then I have to scroll through and delete all the stuff that you guys type, which is not always super appropriate. So you guys keep on having your fun. This is pretty. This is relatively safe. I mean, it's a picture sort of a big of. fat guy because we were talking about how somebody's 300 pounds. This guy does not look like Jimmy Bell. I'm going to roll the dice and say that's not what Jimmy <laughs> yeah, Bell is. I don't think he does. I think he's probably pretty, pretty good at basketball compared to this man. Big 12 games in Pickham. Oklahoma hits the road to play number 23, Iowa State. I think we all want the Cyclones and a laugher. I do indeed. Yeah. I don't know if it's a laugher, but I think they win. Number 24, TCU at Texas Tech. Ooh, real interesting game. Two teams going in opposite directions. What happens? I think TCU gets a bounce back win. Yeah, bounce back win. I'm not picking against Texas Tech at home. They've been really tough to beat there, and they're on a roll right now. Give me the Red Raiders. Probably the biggest game of the day in college basketball. Number eight, Texas, at number nine, Baylor. Baylor, big. Give me the Bears. I don't know about big, but I do think Baylor wins. Yeesh, I think they roll them. I don't think... I think Baylor is a lot better than Texas. We'll see. Number 14, Kansas State, at Oklahoma State. I think this conference cannibalizes itself too often than not. Yeah, the inferior team. Yep. Yeah, give me the pokes at home. Mm, this is a tough one. Oklahoma State also on a slide. Uh, I think K-State wins. All right. Landon going with road teams. Whenever you're holding on to a narrow pick em lead, what better strategy than to pick some road teams in Big 12 play? That, that <laughs> always goes great. Other games. Number 19, Creighton at Villanova. The Wildcats took down a top 20 foe in Xavier this week. Can they make it too? Yes. I think so. See, I'm going to say Creighton wins. I think the Blue Jays are really good. Landon just picked him to go to the Final Four, and now he's got him losing to Kyle effing Neptune. Number six, Virginia at North Carolina. I will take the Nobody Tar Heels cares. on their 10th try to take down a quad one opponent. Give me the Tar Heels. Virginia. Landon. Uh, Give me the Tar Heels. For a oh, the confidence in your voice. Number 17, Indiana at number five, Purdue. Give me the Boilermakers in a revenge game. Correct. Indiana. Oof. Number 15, St. Mary's at number 12, Gonzaga. Before you make your pick, I want to remind you that this is who you're picking against if you uh, take the uh, if you take the Bulldogs. Oh, Mary! And I will do that. Gonzaga by 15. St. Mary's. Gonzaga close. You said St. Mary's was going to win this game like all year. 
I didn't think that this game existed all year because I don't think about the West Coast Conference. That's a happy way to live, if we're being honest. And number four, UCLA at Colorado. Uh, not a whole lot to play for at this point in the year, but there aren't a lot of great games this weekend. I assume we all want the Bruins on the road? Colorado. See, actually, I was thinking about taking Colorado. Let me let me look at their actual record and make sure they're not the worst head up team on in the, the planet. You head up in the altitude, and things just get real tough up there, I guess. But I now like they the are Bruins. fifteen and fourteen. They just lost to USC by nineteen. So yeah, I'm gonna take the Bruins. All right, guys. So your next show, no Ryan. Is it gonna come out on Monday morning? Is that when we're dropping it? I'm I'm on vacation. I'm out for a week. I'm not gonna watch a lick of the West Virginia game live because I will be in Florida. So you guys want to run the Twitter? I know you guys love it. I swear the mentions are no, fun. I I adore Twitter <laughs> so much. You know that. I, I think you're getting a, a Rock Chalk blog free Twitter day, and but for the most part, I'll probably post a couple thoughts when I watch the highlights. Uh, and then I think you're going to get a Ryan free podcast. So you guys have fun. Daddy's taking the car and going out for the day and leaving the kids at home. You guys take good care of the place. One of us will have tinfoil all over the house when you come back. I just don't know. <laughs> the which. kids are about to move out for college. <laughs> this is inside the paint on rock chalk blog. I will talk to you guys again in a week. I am Ryan Landry. I'm Landon Fields. And I'm Landon Fields. Wow, <laughs> a name so nice, you heard yeah, it twice. The, what are the odds of having the same same, uh, same name of two people on the same podcast? Wow. At some point in my lifetime, we will watch a player with the last name of Fields make threes against Kansas in a game. It's going to happen. It's got to happen, right? Maybe whenever Landon has a kid one day and they go to, like, Northwest Missouri State, they play in the opener at Allen Fieldhouse. They might be a D1 program by then. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Northeast Missouri State. Whatever. Southeast Missouri State. Somebody. There you go. Somebody, it doesn't matter. They're going to make all the threes. All right. Somebody say bye. Bye, Ryan. We'll see you next time. Oh, yeah. But not bye, really. Bye, Inside the Paint. <laughs>